Thank you for joining us on another adventure in neuromonitoring. Please listen to the end of this cast for our disclaimers. You're listening to another stimulating adventure in the world of neuromonitoring. This is the IONM for Life podcast with your host, Scott Moore. Once open a time, there was an ionic machine that lived in a hospital. I love a good story. The machine was always very serious. I love telling your stories. Joked around with anyone. One day, a group of doctors and nurses. There's probably no more effective vehicle for teaching than a story. We can illustrate the ideal path for the protagonist or the trainee, and highlight the rewards of hard work, dedication, and training. The first we can also underscore the follies of poor planning like and preparation. Million butterflies in my stomach. The machine Case scenarios work like this, right? We all. use them to throw a trainee into a hypothetical situation to see what they'll do. It works. It, it makes them think strategically. Telling stories can also give us an outlet for our feelings and a way to process grief and frustration, maybe turn the narrative towards a happy ending. Finally... The last patient came in instead. This is Hani we're listening to, a neurophysiology specialist from Iran. She's living quite the story. She's a very talented and impressive neuromonitoring professional, as we will find out. But she also likes to tell stories. And she's using her gift of storytelling to create whimsical, funny, and heartwarming neuromonitoring parables. Let's go say hi. Uh, crack jokes with doctors and nurses and the hospital became a happier place because of it. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name is Hani and I'm so happy to be joining Scott Moore on IONM for Life. And thank you for having me. Honey, we are so blessed to have you on the program. Thank you for coming on. You you are very busy. You have a lot on your plate right now. Uh, you're doing a lot of work and I appreciate you taking out the time. Uh, obviously the time difference, I'm on the East Coast of the United States and and you currently are in Iran, correct? Yeah, currently yes. I was in Iran. <laughs> and it's for quite it's quite a time difference. <laughs> Uh, for those who don't know me, I'm a neurophysiologist, and I've been working in this field for five years, and I'm so excited to share my insights and this interview with all of you. Yes, and we're so thankful to have you on. You are apparently doing so much for our field in both Iran and uh, Australia. You are a team manager, and currently you're working in, in intraoperative neuromonitoring in Iran. Yeah. We're definitely going to get into some good questions with you and ask all about this and talk about some of the creative work you've done. Obviously, we want to get to know you, Hani. So tell us, how did you first get into intraoperative neuromonitoring? Um, as uh, all the audiences for listening to this podcast know, IONM is a specialized field in healthcare that involves monitoring the nervous system during surgical procedures to prevent damage to the nerves. To get into this field, I started with an educational background in a related field of radiology and anatomy. And I also pursued my graduate studies in a specialized area of neurophysiology 
by uh, working in uh, uh, neuroscience laboratories and brain mapping laboratories. After completing the educational requirements, I had a specialized training and certification from my organization, uh, from a hospital. And of course, there are some other recognized organizations such as the American Board of Registration of Electroencephalographic Enable Potential Technologies, as you know, the abbreviation is ABRAT, or the American Society of Neurophysiological Monitoring, ASNM. And um, fortunately, I had uh, the chance to join Dr. Faisal uh, Jahangiri's uh, diploma course in intraoperative neuromonitoring. And um, I'm, um, re I really appreciate his help because, um, because of the sanctions we have in Iran. Dr. Faisal Jahangiri gave me full scholarship to join this six month course in group five. And uh, also getting um, getting into INM for me was uh, on the job training and apprenticeships with experienced professionals such as Dr. Sina Salehi, who is uh, who was my mentor, and uh, Dr. Uh, Cyrus Kobadi, who was my advisor, uh, and um, both of them currently work in America right now. And uh, this allowed me to gain practical experience in the field and learn directly from the experts. Overall, getting into IOM, as you know, requires a strong educational background, specialized training, and commitment to ongoing learning and professional development. It's a rewarding career that involves working closely with surgeons and other healthcare professionals to ensure the safety and well-being of patients who is undergoing surgical procedures. And the professionals in this field play a critical role in helping surgeons to navigate complex surgical procedures, particularly for those that involve sensitive areas of the nervous system. And um, as I said pre uh, previously, in addition to having a strong educational background, INM professionals must possess a range of technical and interpersonal skills. Uh, we need to be skilled in this specialized equipment to monitor the nervous system during the surgery. We have to interpret the data in real time and communicate effectively with surgeons and other members of the surgical team. To keep up with the latest advancements in IONM, professionals in this field must also be committed to ongoing learning and professional development. And this might involve attending conferences, participating in um, continuing education courses, or engaging in research to advance the field. Overall, getting into IONM requires a combination of education, specialized training, technical expertise, interpersonal skills. And if you are interested in pursuing a career in this field, it's important to do your research, explore your options, and seek out opportunities for learning as, and growth. With dedication and hard work, of course, you can build a rewarding and fulfilling career in the field of 
intraoperative neuromonitoring. Very well said. Thank you. That was as good of an introduction to the field of neuromonitoring as anyone in, in any of the professional societies can hope to provide. So thank you for that. My pleasure. So you started, uh, you, so you have actually probably a very solid background for someone entering intraoperative neuromonitoring because you, you obviously had a lot of coursework on anatomy and physiology, which is extremely important to have, uh, to learn or to have a good background in, or at least to be learning while you're entering the field of intraoperative neuromonitoring. We have to have a great understanding of muscles and nerves and 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 the yeah, brain and, and exactly and how everything is wired and that's obviously very important for our field but also you have a background in radiology which is great because you can look at images in during surgeries and you can identify structures and look for anatolies that are maybe there's kyphosis here maybe there's spondylolisthesis here you can see that on, a, on on an x-ray of a spine and know how that's going to affect your data know how that's going to affect the surgical plan and make you that much more effective as a as a neuromonitoring provider. So, very strong background you have, and and that's fantastic. Obviously, it, I'm sure it supports you well in the field. And I wanted to add a comment of your work. Yes. Uh, besides the intraoperative neuromonitoring, I do monitoring for DBS cases, deep brain stimulation cases. Yeah, for those cases, we need pre planning, and this pre planning consists of. Um, giving the surgeon a good map for entering the patient's uh, brain. And that's why before uh, any DBS cases, one day before we go and uh, we have a system that merges the uh, images of the uh, CT scan and MRI together, and it gives a good map. Uh, we we have we we find a good X Y Z for the surgeon uh, and um, to enter the brain uh, and this way and this um, way of inserting the elect uh, electrode is the way that uh, that is um, not in the way of the major veins or arteries and it helps the surgeon to rely on inserting the electrode and to not to damage the vital uh, veins or arteries. That's why um, I think this radiology helped me in this part of monitoring. Absolutely. DBS cases are so interesting and very few people in neuromonitoring get a good chance to experience them. I'm lucky enough in the city of Pittsburgh here in the US, we were able to monitor those cases. We did microelectro recording uh, as they for DBS cases where they would drive down the probe for uh, Parkinson's patients. Is that is that what primarily? What you yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, it, most of them are amazing. for the Parkinson's. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it really works. That when you say when you see yes. the movements stop, and of course the part that the patient is awake and just uh, analgy, uh, just um, have. Uh, analgesia and uh, ha having a uh, uh, sedation uh, that that part really hurts me because I cannot tolerate the patient is awake while they're inserting uh, microelectrode inside his or her brain <laughs> yeah but it's super exciting when you see the movement to stop yeah that's the moment that you appreciate your help <laughs> Yes, that's, I mean, very few cases, I mean, very few cases in neuromonitoring really kind of touch on on how, how significant an impact you make in a particular moment. 
when you use that micro electro recording to just help the surgeon just perfectly land that probe just to this tiny spot on the brain where it needs to be. And then the air, wow. and obviously the patient's awake during the procedure. They need them awake for this procedure for a brain surgery, which is crazy to think about in a lot of cases, but it's, it's obviously so necessary. And you watch basically this two sides of the patient moving and all of a sudden they just flip that switch and they turn that, that probe on all of a sudden one side stops and the other side is moving. Yeah, really. yeah. Basically, we just help that patient stop yeah, all these. The wow moment. <laughs> yes, it's the wow moment. Exactly. And next thing you, and you know that patient's going to have a better quality of life and you help make that possible. And so uh, DBS, micro electrode recording uh, procedures for Parkinson's is some of the coolest things that neuromonitoring monitoring can be involved with. And I really think that over the, the next few years, that's an area of our expertise that will continue to grow. It will be a big industry for our field. Lots of growth opportunity there for controlling robotic limbs, for artificial limbs, for Parkinson's and other conditions as well. Uh, I think there's some some research going on in, in dealing with depression, for example, and things like that, that they think they can able to use these little, these little microelectrode recording probes and kind of help patients uh, treat that, manage that, and have a better quality of life. And that's fantastic that we can be a part of that. So it's very cool that you're involved with those cases. Exactly. So you obviously have, have done so many exciting things. You're, you're an educator as well. Tell us a little bit about your role in education. Uh, actually, currently, I teach medi uh, medical and dentistry uh, student physiology and anatomy. Mm, besides that, I have some researchers. I, I work with a company in America. I'm super busy these days, and I'm really happy to, to be here to talk about my journey through intraoperative neuromonitoring. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're very thankful uh, for what you do for our field in education as well as, as clinical practice. So you provide uh, intraoperative neuromonitoring in Iran. Uh, I think you said Tehran primarily? Mm, yeah, Tehran and Shiraz, yes. And Shiraz in Australia, correct? Uh, and in Australia, in Sydney and Melbourne. Yes. So tell me a little bit about the differences of working in, in, in both of the countries. I mean, obviously, very few people have had that experience to work in two two disparate continents, basically, in neuromonitoring. So, so tell me, so tell us what it's like. Uh, actually, the practice of, uh, practice of IONN may vary from country to country. And it depends on the variety of factors, such as healthcare regulations, cultural differences, and the availability to resources. Um, here, I... Yeah, have um, to say some potential differences than that may exist in working as IONM professional in Iran and Australia. I think the first uh, um, factor, um, difference factor that I saw was the healthcare system. Iran's healthcare system is publicly funded and operated and provides universal healthcare to all citizens. While healthcare in, in Iran is free, um, the quality of care may vary depending on the region and hospital. In contrast, Australia's healthcare system is a mix of public and private sectors with universal healthcare available to all citizens and permanent residents. And Australian hospitals generally have a high standard of care but access to healthcare can be limited for some group. Another difference was the cultural or cultural differences. Uh, these cultural differences can impact patients' expectations and how healthcare is delivered. In Iran, 
uh, healthcare is often more hierarchical and paternalistic, and uh, with doctors being seen and as authority figures. Patients may defer to the doctor's recommendation without asking any question or uh, seeking clarification. But in Australia, there is generally a more collaborative approach to healthcare, and uh, the patients are engaged to ask questions and be involved in decision making. Another difference was the language. The language in Iran, Persian is the primary language. And while English is taught in schools and universities, not all healthcare professionals may speak fluent English. And this can make communication with patients and other healthcare providers difficult for IONM professionals who do not speak Persian. Uh, in Australia, of course, as you know, English is the primary language. And while some patients may speak other languages, most healthcare professionals are fluent in, in English. And uh, professionals who do not speak Persian in Iran uh, may seek problem. And uh, the other difference uh, was the technology I saw. And I was super excited when I saw the big hospitals, the big operating room. <laughs> I was comparing with Iran's operating rooms. And uh, of course, I felt a little sorry for my people. Uh, the technology and the availability and access to the technology can impact the quality of the care uh, provided even in any country. In Iran, while medical equipment is generally available, and of course, uh, I had the chance, I have to say that I had the chance to start with a Cadwell uh, IONM system, and uh, it's super. Uh, and uh, I think, um, I was so lucky uh, because it was so hard to uh, um, to understand the system and to interpret the data, to set up it. Um, I have to say that we have good systems here in Iran, uh, but because of the sanction, when the system gets an, an error, they say you, you're, you're under sanction, we cannot help you. That's why one of our IONM systems in Shiraz is uh, not working right, right now because uh, because the windows uh, cannot be uploaded, uh, um, cannot be changed, and uh, their the professionals say we we don't help you. This was the problem, and um, as I said, this availability and access to technology can impact the quality of the care which provided. While medical equipment is uh, generally available in all parts of Iran, there may be some regional differences in access to technology. And in Australia, medical equipment is generally of a higher standard and there is usually access to the latest technology. Yeah. And another difference was the regulation. The regulation of IONM can vary between countries which can impact the certification and training requirements for IONM professionals. In Australia, IONM is regulated by the Australian Society of Neurophysiological Scientists 
as abbreviated as uh, ASNS. Uh, this um, ASNS sets the standards for training and certification. But in Iran, the requirement for certification and training may be different. Uh, and overall, while uh, there may be some similarities in working as an IONM professional in Iran and Australia, there are also some potential differences that IONM professionals need to be aware of. And adapting, and adapting for me to these differences could help me to provide high quality care to patients uh, in, in both of these countries, no matter, it, it's, it's not important in which country you are, you should serve the best uh, quality care for the patient. Very well said, very well said. Completely agree with you. And you know, despite the challenges you might have in, in one location versus another, uh, your level of professionalism to face that, overcome that, and do the best you can for the patient with what you have is very much a testament to you. So uh, I, I, I recognize that and I salute that. You obviously serve as a medical cultural ambassador uh, traveling between two different countries and, and, and sharing knowledge back and forth, uh, which can only benefit patient care. So that alone is is another benefit, another another kind of added value you bring to our industry. So uh, there's obviously so much um, we here in the states can you know over here in the United States can learn from what you do, the challenges you face, how you face them with what you have. Uh, and I obviously encourage you to continue to share your experiences with people. People are obviously going to be very interested in what you have to say, what you've what you faced, what you've uh, you've dealt with, and. And uh, in, in the work you've done, I mean, obviously, you're you're doing education in our field. You have a strong background in radiology uh, and 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 then meet physiology coursework. You've worked in two different, uh, very uh, different cultures, and uh, you've done good work for patients in both cultures, as they both well, very well deserve. So that's that's all fantastic. But you bring another another uh, talent to the table here that uh, first got my attention. I I think I found this first on LinkedIn, and I can't remember. It was LinkedIn or, or Asset Central, but but basically you are uh, also a storyteller, and uh, and obviously that's a powerful combination right there. You have so many unique and valuable experiences in, in different cultures, taking care of patients the same as if they were in the United States or Iran or or Australia, uh, and uh, and and just just doing doing your absolute best no matter what um, for that patient. But also you you uh, write these amazing. Uh, I'm going to call them short stories, basically, uh, about neuro monitoring. And correct me if I'm wrong, but these this is all basically fiction, but rooted in kind of real life inspiration, real life experiences, and and, and oftentimes with a little bit of a message, uh, a little bit of a teaching moment for people. Am I correct? Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. correct. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but not I've that had... much fiction. <laughs> the characters are fictional. But, uh, yeah, but mm -hmm. uh, it, uh, but when, by real when you read the story, yeah, it may happen mm -hmm. in real. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. that okay. much science fiction. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, uh, but these are kind of, would you, is it fair to say these are inspired by real events or things you've seen or, or noted or 
And uh, you just kind of use your creativity to kind of draw from that and experience and, and create a story around it. I, I've had a chance to read over a lot of the, the material you've written that you've said to me. I've obviously had a chance to read over all of it. You said some of it kind of just recently. And obviously I, I started digging into that, but didn't get too deep into it. Yeah, they're not that much funny, but you can- They're whimsical. They're whimsical. <laughs> and they, like I said, they, it's, it's, it's a flight of fancy that I just think people in, in, in healthcare in general, neuromonitoring in particular, would really enjoy. So you have a, you have the ability to tell stories, and I think I think that's a very valuable skill that not everyone has. But and and again, you you have a lot of very interesting life experiences, and you have the ability to tell stories. Now, I I really have to tell you, that's that is such a powerful combination that can really affect people. You're in a situation where, you know, you can inspire, encourage, and entertain people with this kind of work. And I, I really think if you continue to combine these elements, you're going to, you're going to touch lives. You're going to make a difference in people. You're going to, you're going to change how people think about neural monitoring, maybe encourage them that you know their work is important and interesting and valuable. And, uh, and I really think you can bring kind of a positive light to the world, uh, the world of healthcare in particular uh, with what you're doing. So I, I really encourage you to keep this up, keep writing. Keep going with this. Of course. Um, and again, you know, how much how much you want to talk about it's is entirely up to you because you're kind of the star of the show here. But you know, you're doing a lot of important you have a family and obviously you've you've had some you've had some some tragedies in your life recently. Uh it's up to you how much you want to talk about that. But I can see I, I can see how you I can see how what you're doing with writing these stories, you're showing people a lot of people are hurting in this world. I mean, there's no question about that. A lot of people are hurting. A lot of people have hurts right now. But you're showing them something that they can do to kind of help them get through that. And I think that is channel the creativity and 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 the and the talent you have inside of you and create something beautiful. Create something that's going to make a good impact on someone's life. You know, bless them, encourage them, etc. And if you do that, that can help you heal too, right? Yeah, I think, I think laughter makes everything easy. I yes. want to mention this laughter in all of these stories. Even I wrote a hilarious book in IONM, a step-by-step funny. Even as I sent it the document, uh, I invented some uh, some funny terminology for IONM. Yeah, of course, why not? You know, when, when you're dealing with tough circumstances at work, in life in general, uh, reach inside you. T- take that that thing that you're maybe afraid to share with the world, and just put it out there. And don't worry about. It. Just get out there and tell a story. Create something. You know, make something. You know, de- try something new. And uh, in the process, it'll help you, but it'll also make everyone else's life a little bit better. And that's a good thing. And that's that's a beautiful thing. And you're doing that. And I just want to recognize that. Thank you. Yeah. And besides that, I, I don't want to make you sad, but uh, uh, I want to mention uh, about my uh, little sister that I last uh, last uh, five months. Uh, you know, she was vibrant and joyful girl. She loved playing with her dolls, drawing pictures and spending time with me. She had contagious smile that could light up any room. And I think by writing these stories, I can make her to laugh. Maybe she's not, of course, she's not 
mm, anymore here and I don't have her. But uh, all I do is uh, to make her laugh. And I promised her. And after um, she was only eight years old when we lost her, just two weeks after her um, tonsillectomy uh, surgery and on the exact day of her birthday. Can you believe it? And uh, yeah, we were devastated by the sudden loss, but we ch cherish the memories we have of her. And uh, of course, I want to tell you one of the fondest memories of Mania, uh, her name, uh, was when we would play dress up together. She loved putting on princess dresses and pretending like he was a royalty. And we would dance around the house together, spinning, laughing until our, our bellies hurt. Yeah, she was full of energy and joy. And she had an infectious enthusiasm for life. And I want to keep Mania's memory alive by talking about her. Uh, of course, I feel pain in my heart, but uh, I think if I talk more and more about her and share memories of her, uh, I can decrease my pain. And uh, also, I want to alert, such as alarming, alarming surgeons in operating room, I want to alert people about it, deciding into which doctors they go whenever they have a problem, they choose the best doctor. I don't say that this was the doctor's fault. Maybe some other factors was uh, included in this tragedy. But um, I, w I also have to say that I started a foundation in her memory dedicating to promoting patient safety and preventing medical errors. And uh, of course, losing Mania was a tragedy. But we hope that by sharing her story, and raising awareness, we can prevent other families from experiencing the same kind of loss. As someone who has experienced the devastating loss of a loved one due to medical error, I am really committed to advocating for patient safety and ensuring that others do not have to suffer the same pain that me and my family have. And I strongly believe that the patients and their families have the right to be fully informed about the medical procedures they are about to undergo, including the risks, the, the potential complications. And you know what really hurts me? Because when they decided to do surgery for her, I was not in Iran. And they didn't ask me what to do, where to go, of what are the potential complications. And uh, I see myself really guilty for this uh, sudden. And it's really important to raise awareness about the impact of medical errors and need for more uh, safety protocols to be put into place in hospitals and clinics. Of course, while I cannot change the past or undo the loss of I have experienced. I have determined to use my story to help others make informed decisions about their healthcare and prevent future tragedies.
I recognize that there are many excellent, of course, um, excellent healthcare professionals who are dedicated to their patients and provide exceptional care. However, it is important to acknowledge that medical error can and do occur. And the patient and the, fa the family should feel empowered to ask questions and advocate for their own safety. I'm committed to continuing my journey through science and patient advocacy to help others avoid the pain my family and I have experienced. And by raising awareness in stories, in books, in whatever, promoting patient safety and advocating for change, I hope to make a difference um, in the lives of those who seek medical care. Very well said. Uh, I 100% agree with you. My heart goes out to you. My prayers go to you and your family. It's I, I think your sister will be extremely proud of you for what you're doing, for how you're carrying on, for how you're, you're carrying on her cause and the cause of other people that would be in her situation as well. Good could come from terrible situations, and I think this is one of those scenarios where you will, you will continue to help and bless and, uh, and, and uh, people that, many people uh, out of this that otherwise maybe not wouldn't have, but, uh, and it would all be in your sister's honor. And I think that's just a very noble thing. So I, I, I recognize that and uh, I, I really uh, salute that. So I'm really sorry. Yeah. If I may be sad. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, like I said, it, this is, it's a tragedy, but in that tragedy, uh, I see what you're doing and how you're, 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 you're kind of carrying her, her memory on. And that's a good thing, you know, and I think she definitely, would be very proud of you for that. And uh, I, I definitely recognize that. So, and you should as well. She, you know, she, she would, she would be very proud of you. Thank you. I hope so. Well, uh, I, I want to say it, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this program. It's, it's been inspiring and uh, we'll, we'll definitely have uh, the information on your foundation up on our, the ionumforlife.com website. So people could check it out hear your story and hear about the wonderful things you're doing both in Iran and Australia. Uh, want to, I want to thank you again for being in the program. I want to uh, just recognize how much you're contributing uh, to our field right now. And uh, again, uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, this, this has been a great discussion and you should absolutely continue to write and, and tell your stories through that, that very unique skill you have. Of course, why not? <laughs> and I, I, I'm really happy and uh, it's my pleasure. And uh, I don't know how to thank you to give me this chance to talk with a wide variety of audiences who are mm -hmm. in the same field I am working and studying. Mm -hmm. And it is a real honor for me. And thank you. You're welcome. That's success. It's great when you, when you Thanks live in a country. <laughs> <laughs> it's great when you live in one country and you can inspire people in, in, in other countries, like on the other side of the planet, and you'll get to do that. And uh, it's a very, you know, I think it's a very cool thing. So thank you again. This interview was very difficult to make happen, and I appreciate Hani's tenacity in sticking with the process. I hope her story resounds with the neuromonitoring community, and I look forward to working with her to post up some of her original content in the weeks to come. Stay tuned for that. The neuromonitoring community really is a global community, and I appreciate getting the chance to know it. I hope you are too. See you back here next week for more adventures in neuromonitoring.
Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the IONM for Life podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please remember to like, subscribe, and tell a friend. Join us next time for more stimulating adventures. This podcast is not affiliated with any medical device or nor monitoring company. At the present time, the IONM for Life podcast does not accept any advertising money. All opinions expressed on the IONM for Life podcast do not necessarily represent the views and opinions held by myself or anyone associated with the IONM for Life podcast. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. I welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors.